0: Everybody knows it. Everybody's probably got it memorized, but I want to look at it tonight through new eyes. I want to look at it tonight through the eyes of the doctrine of Christ. A lot of times we think about that scripture, 1 Nephi 3:7. It's it's Nephi saying, I will go and I will do. And we think about that scripture in terms of of these, these basic commandments that everybody is given um, to. Pay tithing and to obey the word of wisdom and to not steal and to 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 live the law of chastity these these kind of basic commandments that were all given now the thing about first nephi 3 7 is that that nephi he was a really good guy and we don't we don't know that he was not disobeying any of those commandments in fact i'm sure he was obeying all of those commandments those basic bottom line commandments. And it's not that those are not important, but let's look at first Nephi three, seven through the eyes of the new and everlasting covenant. And through the eyes of the doctrine of Christ with, with the eyes of coming to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit and laying everything on the altar and saying, as that, as that being a turning point in Nephi's life, um, I will go and I will do. And it kind of gives the, it it leaves open the idea that Nephi before that time was not decided. He was not a hundred percent decided that he was going to do those things. And as I've been reading the book of Mormon the past four years with, with new eyes and with new intent, I've been trying to look for the protagonist or the one, the one that changes in the story. And it's not always the easiest thing to find. For example, in the story of Ammon, we think that Ammon is the main character, but Ammon is not the main character. It's King Lamoni that is the main character. It's King Lamoni that learns the lesson. And even though we think of Nephi as this great guy that was always righteous, that always did what he was supposed to do, Nephi is still the protagonist in his story. He is the one that changes. So, Let's take a look with new eyes at First Nephi chapter 3 verse 7 and everything Nephi has this point right there almost a turning point and you can you can find that turning point in almost every character in the Book of Mormon with Lehi and with Nephi and with Jacob with Enos with King Lamoni with King Lamoni's father we can see this we can find with the scriptures this turning point where they decide that that they have changed, that they will follow Christ, that they will seek him and come to him and not just live those basic commandments that we all have and that we all know we're supposed to live, but to receive revelation and act on that revelation and and then follow that revelation and then repeat that process over and over and over again in coming to the Father. So let's start and see what took Nephi again through new uh, new eyes let's see what took nephi from where where the book of mormon begins to where he gets to first nephi 3 7 to where he makes the decision um so let's start let's start in verse 4 of first nephi he says well first nephi first he gives us a little introduction he kind of tells us who he is you know we've all read it more more times than any other time that, than anything else in the book of mormon and he gives us an introduction he says i'm nephi i've got good parents. Um, I was taught in my father's language. We lived in we live in Jerusalem. Now, let's start in verse four. For it came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, my father my father Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days. Now, let's try and unpack that verse a little bit because there's a lot there that we seemingly we just kind of jump over. Let's look at especially that comment. It's almost just kind of a side comment in parentheses. My father, Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days. And I think about my own life. And we we know that Lehi's family was very wealthy and that he probably had some sort of a business. We don't know what. But my father, Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days. And I think about that and in context with my own life and i was born in sandy utah and i did live away from for for a while in in my youth but i came back and and my entire professional life i have lived in sandy utah um i started as an auto mechanic and and i did that i i, I still am an auto mechanic and I have a business, and i'm I'm kind of stuck here. I can't really move from Sandy, Utah because my whole life is here everything my the way I make my living, the way I provide for my family it's all here in sandy, Utah. so when I think about leaving Sandy and think about leaving everything that I've built up it's it's that's almost an impossible decision for me and it seems like Lehigh. Is in the same situation. My father Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days, so Lehi is there. He has an established home. He has an established family. He has established income. He has riches. He has wealth. Lehi is living the same life that so many of us live, and and that we we have an established life where we live. So it's a seemingly Uh, it's kind of a seeming like a side comment, but there's a lot there if we can look at it. My father Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem all his days. And uh, let's see, where are we? Uh, And in the same year, there came many prophets prophesying, verse 4. And in that same year, there came many prophets prophesying unto the people that they must repent or the great city Jerusalem must be destroyed. So, and again, I don't know what situation Lehi was in. He probably was a very religious person. He was probably participating in the religious establishment in, in, in the church of that day. And he probably had his whole family participating in that, in the church of that day, in the Jewish, in the Jewish church. And so these prophets come, prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and they come and they are saying, to the religious people of Jerusalem, you need to repent. And I'm sure that most of them are saying, repent, repent of what? Um, Saying they must repent or the great city of Jerusalem must be destroyed. So let's cross-reference that with Moses chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. So Moses, chapter 8, verses 19 through 22, is Noah, and he is going to preach repentance to the people of his day. And I would imagine it's a very similar circumstance to what what Jeremiah and other prophets were doing in Lehi's day. Moses, chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. Let's read that. And the Lord ordained Noah... After his own order, and commanded him that he should go forth and declare his gospel unto the children of men, even as it was given unto Enoch. So apparently the true gospel, the doctrine of Christ, was not being taught to the people who lived in Noah's day. And let's first we're going to cross-reference our cross cross-reference here, and then we'll get back to Moses 8, and then we'll after that we'll get back to Nephi chapter 1. Um, let's cross-reference Moses chapter 8, verse 19, with with JST Genesis 9. And we read this yesterday, if you were here, but it gives such a good description of what Noah was teaching in his day. So, JST Genesis 9, verses 17 through 24. Um, JST is, is in the back of the Bible, back by the maps. He says... And I will, this is the Lord speaking, and I will establish my covenant with you, he's talking to Noah, which I made unto Enoch concerning the remnants of your posterity. So what covenant is that? Well, there is no other covenant. It's the new and everlasting covenants. It's the covenant of, of coming to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And the Lord is going to explain that to Noah here in a second. Verse 18, and God made a covenant with Noah, the new and everlasting covenant and said this shall be a token of the covenant i make between me and you and for every living creature with you and for perpetual generations so it it appears as though not only not only people are living the new and everlasting covenant but every living creature even the animals are commanded to live the new and everlasting covenant the lord tells them what to do and they obey and i will set my bow in the cloud we're talking about a rainbow and it shall be a token of a covenant between me and the earth and i read one time a quote by joseph smith where he talks about he says i would make you think i was climbing a ladder when i was climbing a rainbow there are 7 colors in a rainbow we can think of of just like in dnc 101 Where the Lord gives a tower, we can think of a rainbow being a tower, a a tower of ascension and going up these different levels, just like climbing a ladder. Uh, Verse 20 in JST Genesis 9. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow, the rainbow, which is a token of the new and everlasting covenant, shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which I have made between me and you. For every living creature of all flesh and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh and the bow, the rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember the new and everlasting covenant, which I made unto thy father Enoch, that when men should keep all my commandments. Now, these are not commandments. These are, these are not the typical commandments that we think about. These are not These are not, don't commit adultery, don't swear, don't have false idols, don't don't covet. Uh, These are not, he's not talking about those. Now, those, those are all good commandments. Again, we need to obey those, but that's this baseline that when men should keep all my commandments, these are the commandments that the Lord gives us personally. For example, these are the commandments that that the Lord gave to Lehi to leave Jerusalem. These are the commandments that the Lord gave to Nephi to to go back to Jerusalem and get the brass plates. These are the, these are commandments specifically tailored to us that He needs us to do. Uh, verse twenty-one again, uh, and I will and the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant which I made unto thy father Enoch. That when men should keep all my commandments, Zion should again come on the earth, the city of Enoch, which I have caught up unto myself. And this is my everlasting covenant. And when thy posterity shall embrace the truth and look upward, in other words, when we seek revelation, then Zion shall look downward. And all the heavens shall shake shake with gladness and the earth shall tremble with joy. And the general assembly of the church of the firstborn shall come down out of heaven. That is the celestial church and possess the earth, and shall have place until the end come. And this is mine everlasting covenant, which I made with thy father Enoch. So this is the same covenant that Enoch had, and this is the same covenant that he's giving to Noah, To and he's telling Noah to go and teach this to the people of Noah's day. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will establish my covenant unto thee, which I have made between me and thee, and every living creature of all flesh that shall be upon the earth. So, again, not only the people live it, but the animals live it, too. It's the same covenant that Adam lived, that Noah lived, that Enoch lived, that every that he's commanded everyone since the beginning of time to live. It's coming to him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit and seeking and acting on revelation. Uh, let's go back to Moses 8. Um, now that we understand what the new covenant is, let's go back to Moses 8. Moses chapter 8. Let's just read verse 19 over again. And the Lord ordained Noah after his own order and commanded him that he should go forth and declare his gospel unto the children of men, even as it was given unto Enoch. And it shall come to pass. Oh, and it came to pass that Noah called upon the children of men that they should repent, but they hearkened not unto his words. Now, does that sound at all like what was going on in Lehi's day? because lehi and all these other prophets were going to these people and they didn't listen verse 21 moses eight and also after that they had heard him they came up before him saying now why didn't they obey they give a reason the people of that time give this reason why they didn't obey the commandments that noah was giving to him behold we are the sons of god in other words we're already good. We already worship God. We don't have a reason to repent because, hey, Noah, we're already good. We are already the sons of God. And and also, and let's start over. And also, after that, they had heard him. They came upon, they came up before him, saying, "Behold, we are the sons of God. Have we not taken unto ourselves the daughters of men?" And are we not eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage? And our wives bear unto us children. And the same are mighty men, which are like unto men of old, men of great renown. And they hearken not unto the word. And they hearken not unto the words of Noah. So they're saying to Noah, Noah is coming to them and saying, look, you guys have got to start living the new and everlasting covenant. You guys have got to start living the doctrine of Christ. You guys have got to come to him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Or else you're in trouble. You're not going to make it. You're going to be destroyed. You and all of your family is going to die, and again, their excuse is: "Look, we're good. We're already sons of God. We're we're getting married. We're we have wives. We're living our lives. Are we not eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage? Look, it's what we do today. It's I've got a good job. I've got a good family. I've got kids. I'm going to church. I'm good. I'm already a son of God, and I'm under control. Thanks for bringing your message, but." we're good, okay? Uh, Last verse, verse 22 in Moses 8, and then we'll go back to First Nephi. And God saw that the wickedness of men had become great in the earth, and every man was lifted up in the imagination of the thoughts of his heart, being only evil continually. In other words, thinking that they didn't need to repent. They thought in their own hearts, I'm good, I don't need to repent, I'm under control, and I will be saved in the kingdom of God. When Noah, we know that that's not the truth. Even though they think that they're saved, they think that they're good, they think that they're following God, that's not the case. So let's go back to First Nephi and think about what Noah is going through with the people of his time, and let's compare that with what lehi was going through with the people of his time okay back to first nephi first nephi one verse four for it came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of zedekiah king of judah my father lehi having dwelt at jerusalem in all his days and in that same year there came many prophets prophesying unto the people that they must repent or the great city Jerusalem must be destroyed. It's the same exact circumstance. Now, Lehi had this moment in time, and we don't know exactly when it was, but he had this moment in time when his heart was changed. He was listening. He began listening to these true prophets that were coming to Jerusalem, one of them being Jeremiah. And I say true prophets because if we have true prophets, if there is an opposite in all things, there were also false prophets of that time. So Lehi had to discern between true prophets preaching the new and everlasting covenant and the doctrine of Christ. And he had to discern between false prophets that were probably saying to him, uh, you're good. Just keep living the everything that you've been living and you'll be fine. We have to learn to be able to discern the difference. Um, of course, we, we already talked about that, Jeremiah being one of them. One thing that was interesting to me, the book after Jeremiah, Lamentations, is the Lamentations of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is so sad, he's lamenting that all of the people that he is teaching do not listen to him. They have lost The New and Everlasting Covenant, they've lost track of what it was, and that's what the book of Lamentations is about. It's Jeremiah lamenting the loss of a people who who could have so much more. Verse 5, Nephi chapter 1. Wherefore, it came to pass that my father Lehi, as he went forth, prayed unto the Lord, yea, even with all his heart in behalf of his people. So Lehi has this change of heart, and what does he do? He wants his people to have the exact same change of heart that he has. There was a change wrought upon Lehi when he heard the words of the prophets, the prophets of like just like Jeremiah that were coming to him. Verse 6, And it came to pass, as he prayed unto the Lord, there came a pillar of fire and dwelt on a rock before him, and he saw and heard much. And because of the things which he saw and heard, he did quake and tremble exceedingly. So Lehi in his prayer Lehi receives a baptism of fire on a rock, a stone altar in front of him it is and it's it's interesting to note that Lehi was not necessarily seeking a baptism of fire at this time. he was praying on behalf of his people so that his people could understand the exact same thing that Lehi had come to understand so if we if that is what our goal is to to Enter into to to receive the baptism of fire and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and eventually enter into the rest of the Lord. Then the only way we can do that, as Lehi points out here, is by helping others. Is by helping others understand the exact same things that we have understand. Coming to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit and entering into the new and everlasting covenant. It's only by helping others that we can come to Christ to ourselves. ourselves. There is no other way. It's not. It's nothing inside of us that we can do. We can't pray our way into heaven and we can't read our scriptures just so much that we get into heaven. It's by helping others. Uh, Verse 18. Let's go down. Let's skip. Let's skip a bunch. Skip a bunch down to verse 18. Therefore, I would that ye should know that after the Lord had shown so many marvelous things unto my father Lehi concerning the destruction of Jerusalem, behold, He went forth among the people and began to prophesy and to declare unto them concerning the things which he had both seen and heard. So again, Lehi has this desire inside of him, just like the prophets, that the true prophets that were coming to teach him. He has this desire inside of him to go out and do the exact same thing that he saw them doing. And it came to pass that the Jews did mock him because of the things which he testified of them. Do you remember what happened to Noah? The exact same thing is happening to Nephi. For he truly testified of their wickedness and their abominations. And he testified that the things which he saw and heard and also the things which he read in the book manifested plainly of the coming of a Messiah and also the redemption of the world. And when the Jews heard these things, they were angry with him. I wonder if any of you can relate to that. Yea, even as with the prophets of old, whom they had cast out and stoned and slain, and they also sought his life, that they might take it away. But behold, I, Nephi, will show unto you the tender mercies of the Lord, that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith, to make them mighty, even unto the power of deliverance. So, or in other words, If we do what the Lord asks us to do, following the revelations that he gives us, it will be well with us in the end. He delivers us. Okay, let's go on. First Nephi chapter 2. Let's look at verses 1 through 4. For behold, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto my father, yea, even in a dream, and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Lehi, because of the things which thou hast done. And because thou hast been faithful and declared unto this people the things which I commanded thee, behold, they seek to take away thy life. So in other words, if you, Lehi, if you choose to stay in Jerusalem, you are going to die. And it came to pass that the Lord commanded my father, even in a dream, that he should take his family and depart into the wilderness. So now, Lehi, up until this time, he has not. The only commandment that he has, that he, that he's been given is to, or that he has felt the need to act on is to go and teach the things that he's learned to other people. And he did that and they were angry with him. Um. Now he's given a real, a direct commandment from the Lord. And, and it came to pass in, in verse two, that he was commanded to leave Jerusalem, even in a dream. Verse 3, and it came to pass that he was obedient under the word of the Lord, wherefore he did as the Lord commanded him. So there it is, so perfect, so beautiful. All the doctrine of Christ is there. Lehi, at a moment in time in his life, he realized that there was more. He heard what these prophets were telling him, and he sought out revelation. He went and prayed. He received revelation, and the Lord told him that, Now he needs to leave Jerusalem. And Lehi followed the commandment that was specific to him. It was specific to Lehi. It wasn't a general commandment of don't steal. It was a specific commandment just to Lehi. You need to leave Jerusalem. Verse four, and it came to pass that he departed into the wilderness and he left his house and the land of his inheritance and his gold and his silver and his precious things and took nothing with him. Save it were his family and provisions and tents and departed in the wilderness. So again, Lehi is is obedient to the commandments that the Lord gave him specifically. That's what we're talking about. That's the doctrine of Christ. Uh, Jump to verse 11 in 1 Nephi chapter 2. Now this he spake because of the stiff-neckedness of Laman and Lemuel. This is Lehi. This Lehi spake because of the stiff-neckedness of Laman and Lemuel, for behold, they did murmur in many things against their father, because he was a visionary man, and he had led them out of the land of Jerusalem to leave the land of their inheritance and their gold and their silver and their precious things to perish in the wilderness. And this they said he had done because of the foolish imaginations of their heart. So they're doing the same exact things that the people of Jerusalem did to Lehi. They're ridiculing him, and they're angered. Laman and Lemuel are angered because of what Lehi is asking them to do. And thus, Laman and Lemuel, being the eldest, did murmur against their father, and they did murmur because they knew not the dealings of that God who had created them. Neither did they believe that Jerusalem, that great city, could be destroyed according to the words of the prophets. And they were like unto the Jews who were at Jerusalem, who sought to take away the life of, the, of my father. Is this not word for word, the narrative that Noah was going through that we read about in, in Moses 8? None of the people believed Noah, and he ended up just taking his own family onto the ark to be saved, and everyone else was destroyed. Verse 14, and it came to pass that my father did speak unto them in the valley of Lemuel with power being filled with the spirit until their frames did shake before him, and he did confound them that they durst not utter against him, wherefore they did as he commanded them, and my father dwelt in a tent. So let's look at this through Nephi's eyes at this point, since we're talking about looking at First Nephi 3-7 through different eyes. Nephi was there. He was seeing all of this that was going on. And it doesn't say that he was participating in the murmuring and the complaining that Laman and Lemuel were doing, but he was seeing all of this firsthand as they were being led out of Jerusalem. Um, they left, they went three days journey, they pitched their tents. Laman and Lemuel are, are complaining. I'm sure it's uncomfortable. I'm sure that they had nice beds back in Jerusalem that they were missing. But at this point in time, Even though Nephi was seeing this, Nephi's mind was not made up as to what he was going to do. And so Nephi, he could have gone either way at this point. Maybe, we don't know, maybe he was even siding with his brothers. Maybe he was thinking, yeah, you know what, this does kind of suck. I'm not having an awesome time out here. I would much rather be back at home in Jerusalem and... Sleeping in my nice bed, he probably had friends that he left behind, and so Nephi, his, his mind is not made up at this point. Verse sixteen. and it came to pass that I Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless, and and a note on that being exceedingly young, maybe he's saying to himself, "You know, I don't know very much. I'm seeing my older brothers what they're doing. maybe they are right. Maybe my father, maybe he is really crazy." And it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having great desires to know of the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord. So Nephi, Nephi decides to take some action. Nephi says, I want to know for myself. Are my brothers right? Should I be complaining against my father or is my father right? Is everything my father is saying true? Did he really receive a vision from the Lord? And were we really commanded that the Lord really command him to go out of Jerusalem? Wherefore, I, Nephi, did cry unto the Lord and behold, he, the Lord, did visit me and did soften my heart and I did believe all the words which have been spoken by my father. Wherefore, I did not rebel against him like unto my brothers. So Nephi, at this point, he has a turning point. He has a point to where his heart is softened and he's saying, I believe my father. Now, he hasn't had a confirmation from, he hasn't asked anything specific of the Lord yet. He's still believing on his father's words, but the Lord told him that that's okay That's okay for now. You can believe on your father's words, and it's okay. Um, So that's a super important turning point in Nephi's journey. He receives a revelation that it's okay that his father is doing what the Lord commanded him to do. Uh, Verse 17, and I spake unto Sam. Now, remember, Nephi was the youngest of all four of them. Sam was the one, the next oldest. And I spake unto Sam making known unto him the things which the Lord had manifested unto me by his Holy Spirit. And it came to pass that he, Sam, believed in my words. So probably Sam before was in the same boat as Nephi. Sam was saying, I don't know who to believe. I don't know whether I should be following my older brothers or whether my dad is right. I don't know. And probably Nephi and Sam were talking about this together. What do you think? I don't know, Sam. What do you think we should do? is dad crazy? Is, is, is our Laman and Lemuel right? I sure do miss Jerusalem. And Nephi, Sam didn't specifically go to the Lord, but Sam apparently had a, a good enough relationship that he would believe Nephi, that Nephi received a revelation from the Lord saying that, yes, uh, dad is not crazy. It's okay. We need to be following him and we need to be doing the things that he asks us to do. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, verse 18, but behold, Laman and Lemuel would not hearken unto my words, and being grieved because of the hardness of their hearts, I cried unto the Lord for them. And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Blessed art thou, Nephi, because of thy faith, for thou hast sought me diligently with lowliness of heart. And inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper, and shall be led to a land of promise, yea, even a land which I have prepared for you, yea, a land which is choice above all other lands. So the Lord is giving Nephi this preview of what to expect in his life. The Lord is saying, Nephi, this is only the beginning. This is this is just this is just starting out. I have got a whole laundry list of commandments for you. And you don't even know what they are yet, but I'm going to give them to you one by one as you go along in your journey. Inasmuch as you shall keep my commandments, you shall prosper and shall be led to a land of promise. Nephi is sitting there in a tent three days away from his house. He, have, he has no idea what is in store for him. He has no idea that he's going to be commanded to... to go and journey for eight years in the wilderness and be commanded to build a boat like Nephi has any idea how to build a boat. He has no idea that he's going to be commanded to cross an ocean or to make golden plates and inscribe the history of his people on these golden plates. He has no idea what any of this is, and all the Lord gives him is, just listen to me. Continue to come to me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit and just ask me what to do. I, the Lord, have your best interest always. If you can just trust that, Nephi, I will lead you to where to to where you need to go. I will lead you back home to me. Verse twenty-one. And inasmuch as thy brethren shall rebel against thee, they shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. And inasmuch as thou shalt keep my commandments, thou shalt be made a ruler and a teacher over thy brethren. Now remember, Nephi. He is the youngest brother of all four of them at this point in time. Now think about, think about Joseph and Hiram. Joseph was the younger brother in, in that pair. Think about the, the power that those two shared and what great things were brought about because of that companionship. What if Hiram had said in his, in his, if he had looked to his pride instead of to Joseph and the Lord and had said, I'm the older brother here. I need to be the one that's in charge. That's not the way it works. It's kind of the same thing that I think about with Nephi and his brothers. Nephi was the very youngest, and yet he was called to be a ruler over his older brothers. And if they just would have listened to him, things would have been a lot better for Laman and Lemuel. Uh, Verse 23. For behold, in that day they shall rebel against me. So first he's saying, if they do this. Then they're going to be cut off, but not only if, but they will in that day that they shall rebel against me, I will curse them even with a sore curse. And they shall have no power over thy seed except except they shall rebel against me also. And if it so be that they rebel against me, they shall be a scourge unto thy seed to stir them up in the ways of remembrance. In other words, the Lamanites in the future, Nephi still doesn't know everything that's going to happen, but the Lamanites throughout the book of Mormon are there to keep the Nephites in check. And when the Nephites start rebelling and start not living the new and everlasting covenant, when they stop living the doctrine of Christ, it's always the Lamanites that are there to keep them in check to come in. And, and we've talked about this many times. The Lord has a left hand and the Lord has a right hand and the Lord uses his left hand to destroy the wicked. The wicked destroy the wicked. So if the Nephi is just what happened at the end of the Book of Mormon, everybody was wicked, the Lord uses his left hand to come in and destroy the wicked. Of course, Nephi doesn't know that at this point. Um, Now, up until this point, Nephi's faith has not really been tested. The Lord has not really commanded Nephi to do anything super specific now the lord the lord did tell nephi that it was okay to to listen to his father and that's what he needed to be doing but nephi is going to get an actual test of his faith coming up here in chapter 3 chapter 3 verse 1 and it came to pass that i nephi returned from speaking with the lord to the tent of my father so think about that situation think about so lehi had told, possibly told Nephi to go and pray about the things that Lehi was telling his son Nephi. Nephi goes, he prays about it, he gets an answer, yes, I need to be doing the same things that my father tells me to do, and he then goes back to the tent of his father. Verse 2, and it came to pass that he, Lehi, spake unto me, Nephi, saying, behold, I have dreamed a dream, In the which the Lord hath commanded me that thou and thy brethren shall return to Jerusalem. For behold, Laban hath the record of the Jews and also a genealogy of my forefathers, and they are engraven upon the plates of brass. Wherefore the Lord hath commanded me that thou and thy brothers should go into the house of Laban and seek the records and bring them down hither into the wilderness. And now, Behold, thy brothers murmur, saying, It is a hard thing which I have required of them. But behold, I I have not required it of of them, but it is a commandment of the Lord. Therefore, go, my son, and thou shalt be favored of the Lord, because thou hast not murmured. So now, Lehi has said that he has received a vision, he's received a revelation from the Lord, that Nephi needs to go and do this thing. He needs to go with his brothers back to Jerusalem, a three-day journey, and they need to get the plates of brass from Laban. Now, Nephi's faith is being tested here. This is the first real test of Nephi's faith. And how does Nephi respond to it? And this is where we get to 1 Nephi chapter 3 verse 7. One of the most famous scriptures in, in in all of the church, in all of the Book of Mormon, one that we read all the time. And again, what we've pointed out so far is that it is not about keeping a specific list of commandments. It is not about that. First Nephi chapter 3, verse 7, is about us keeping these specific commandments that the Lord has given us personally. Let's read it. First Nephi chapter three, verse seven. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, said unto my father, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. For I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. So Nephi, in my mind, in my the way I understand it, Nephi at this point has made a decision. I am going to do whatever you ask me to do. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if if I have to go back to Jerusalem, and if I die there, it doesn't matter. If Laban kills me, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. And oh, this is just so cool. This is the first thing that the Lord has in store of a lifetime of specific commandments just for Nephi. And it doesn't mean that Nephi never had a bad thought again in his life. It doesn't mean that Nephi didn't get angry with people. It doesn't mean any of that. All it means is that Nephi was willing always. He made a decision at this point in time that he was going to enter into the new and everlasting covenant and come to the Lord always with a broken heart and contrite spirit. He's laying it all on the altar right there in 1 Nephi chapter 3, verse 7. He's saying, whatever you want me to do, I will go and do. I don't care what it is. And from this point on, Nephi is obedient to the things that the Lord gives him. And in applying this to ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, what is the Lord's mission for me? personally what do i need to be doing what is his calling for me and we need to take that to the lord and that's what faith is that is that is going to the lord and asking him lord what do you have for me just like just like lehi did i'll do whatever you tell me to do you want me to leave jerusalem i'll leave jerusalem but it's us going to the lord and saying lord what would you have me do i'm here i'm all yours I offer you up my heart. It is open to you. I offer you up my everything that I am, and I'm willing to do it. If it's uncomfortable, I'm willing to do it. That's generally the feelings of the Holy Ghost. It is It is the Lord pushing us to do something that we don't necessarily want to do. The Holy Ghost is not, Phil Davis calls it, It is not. it is not warm fuzzies. It is not it is not a warm feeling always in our heart. The Lord pushes us. The Lord forces us to do, doesn't force us. He pushes us to do things that we don't want to do necessarily. And if we do them, our spirituality our spirituality increases, we ascend, and we go back again for, this, for more. We go back and we seek revelation and, and it all starts again. So we need to be asking ourselves, what is our calling? What does the Lord want us to do? And are we willing to do to say what Nephi said? I will go and do the things that the Lord commands me to do personally. verse eight, and it came to pass that when my father had heard these words, he was exceedingly glad, for he knew that I had been blessed of the Lord. Lehi had been through the exact same thing. Lehi had said, "Yes, I will go and do the things that the Lord commands me to do, just the same as his son is doing and i and then Nephi is obedient in verse nine and I Nephi. And my brethren took our journey into the wilderness with our tents to go up to the land of Jerusalem. So Nephi, just like Lehi is obedient to what he's told to do. And then the rest of the stories, we know, we know the rest of the story. Uh, we won't go through it all, but let's let's, that was Nephi's experience and you can almost find it in every single prophet in the book of Mormon, where they have this point to where they say, you know what? I will. I'm going to do that. I I feel like something is lacking in my life and I haven't made a decision up until this point, but yes, I will. And many of the times in the book, of Mormon, we get examples going both ways. We get examples in the Book of Mormon of prophets saying, yes, I will go do. And we get a prophets. We get, we, we get example of saying people in the Book of Mormon of saying, hardening their hearts and saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, the people, the, the people that, that Alman Amulek went to in, in the people of Zeezrom, the Am, Ammoniha are a perfect example of that. They hardened their hearts and they said, no, we're not going to do the things that the Lord asks us to do because we're good. So let's look another, another, let's move on to Enos. Let's look at Enos's experience in Enos, Enos verse one. There's only one chapter. Enos verse one. Behold, it came to pass that I, Enos, knowing my father, that he was a just man, for he taught me in his language. Now, do you see that Enos is kind of doing the exact same thing that Nephi said? Nephi gives us an introduction to himself. He said, my father, my parents were good people. I was raised in Jerusalem and he taught me. My parents taught me to not only in their language, but they taught me to follow God. Behold, it came to pass that I, Enos, knowing my father, that he was a just man, for he taught me in his language and also in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and blessed be the name of my God for it. And I will tell you of the wrestle which I had before God before I received a remission of my sins. So Enos tells us that he has a rough go of it. And let's look at specifically the remission of our sins. We're going to cross reference that remission of our sins with 2 Nephi 31 17 and 18. 2 Nephi 31 is and 30, 31 and 32 just lays out the doctrine of Christ just beautifully. It is a commentary on Nephi's tree of life vision. It explains what the tree of life vision really means. Uh The bottom line of it, line of it all is it's coming to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit and following and keeping his commandments. So second Nephi 31 verses 17 and 18. What is the remission of our sins? Wherefore do the things which I have told you, I have seen that your Lord and your Redeemer should do. And this is Nephi speaking. So we're, let's stop there and let's cross reference just that verse. Just that, just that parable, just that, that phrase right there. Because um, that seems to imply, wherefore do the things which I have told you that I have seen your Lord and Redeemer should do. That, if we look at it in the wrong way, that could imply that we have to suffer an atonement just like Jesus Christ did. And no, we don't have to do that. That's already been done. He already did that for us. So um, let's cross reference just that phrase with Luke chapter 22. Verses 41 through 42. um, To find out what exactly our Lord and our Redeemer did. What is Nephi referring to there? Luke chapter 22, 41 through 42. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's in the middle of suffering the atonement here. He says, and he, the Lord, was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast. And kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Here it is. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Even Jesus Christ in his most agonizing moment he did what the father asked him to do jesus christ offered up a broken heart and a contrite spirit and entered into the new and everlasting covenant it is not these it is not these commandments this broad list of commandments It is the new and everlasting covenant is coming to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, which is exactly what Jesus Christ did in fulfilling the atonement. So in verse 17 of 2 Nephi 31, it is not saying that we have to offer an atonement just like Jesus Christ. It is saying, wherefore, do the things which I have told you, I have seen that your Lord and Redeemer should do. Well, our Lord and Redeemer offered up a broken heart and a contrite spirit that's what he did and that is what nephi is telling us that we should do it's follow the example of jesus christ and do what he did continue on in verse 17 second nephi for for this cause have they been shown unto me that you might know the gate by which he should enter for the gate by which he should enter is repentance and baptism by water, which is exactly what Jesus Christ did, even though he didn't have anything to repent of, he still gave us this example of baptizing, of being baptized, and then coming to the coming to his father with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He should enter his repentance and baptism of water, and then cometh the remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. So there we get a good definition of what Enos says. In verse two, And I will tell you of the wrestle which I had before God before I received a remission of my sins. Or in other words, before I received a baptism of fire and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's read verse 18 in Second Nephi. And then are ye in this straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. Yea, ye have entered in by the gate. Ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and the Son, which again is entering into the new and everlasting covenant. And ye have received the Holy Ghost. Which witnesses of the Father and the Son under the fulfilling of the promise which He hath made, and if ye entered in by the way, ye should receive. It is it, there is nothing complicated about any of this. It is just humbling ourselves enough to enter into the new covenant and offer up our broken heart and our contrite spirit to the Lord and say, "I am laying everything on the altar." exactly exactly what Jesus Christ did what we just read about in Luke father if thou be willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done back to enos enos verse 3 so enos is he's telling us about what happened before he received the baptism of fire gift of the holy ghost verse 3 behold i went to hunt beasts in the forest and the words which I had often heard my father speak concerning eternal life and the joy of the saints sunk deep into my heart. So I picture Enos here all alone, reflecting back on earlier an earlier time in his life when he had seen other people have joy in Jesus Christ. And he himself had not necessarily experienced that same joy that they were experiencing. And the reason I say that we, I don't believe that he was experiencing that same joy that, that they had experienced is because of what it says in verse four. He says, and my soul hungered. In other words, he wanted, he wanted in his heart, he wanted those same exact things that he had seen his father have and the joy of all of the other people. That same joy that they had. He wanted that. His soul hungered for that as he's out there and he's all alone and he's thinking about these things. And I want to pause right there with that phrase and my soul hungered. Because if you are in this Zoom meeting right now and if you are listening to everything that has been said, the reason you are here. Is because at some point in time, your soul, just like Enos's soul, has hungered. It has hungered for more. You have had questions that have not been able to be answered. You have wanted to come closer to Christ. And that is why you have sought more. You don't just happen to be here by accident. And I want to relate my own story of how I came to be here, of how my soul began to hunger. And then I've asked two other people. I've asked Leslie Lowry, who has been with us for about a month. And I've asked my, she's from Canada and she's, I love her. She's awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Leslie. And I've asked my own cousin, Jeff Briner, to share um, a little bit about his own experience and why he is here and has how he has felt that his soul has hungered, just like Enos's. My experience, my own experience started about four years ago and I was, I, I had not been doing the things that I should have been doing. I had not been reading the scriptures. I had not really immersed myself in the Book of Mormon since I got back from a mission, um, which was 17, 18 years ago at that time. I had been going to church and it was exhausting to me. Um, I was getting nothing out of it uh, and I had all kinds of questions that that I couldn't get an answer to that didn't make sense for me that I needed that I needed answers to. If I was going to continue on, I was almost to the point where I was not believing in God. I believed just because we have a body and just because all of this around me um, seemingly couldn't just appear here out of nowhere. I did have a belief in God. I didn't necessarily believe the Book of Mormon. I didn't really believe in the atonement. I didn't really see a need for it. I thought that kind of as the knee horse thought that, that everything would be well in the end, that I would be okay, just because I was kind of a decent person and I wasn't cheating on my wife and I wasn't out stealing from people and holding up convenience stores. I thought that everything in my life would be fine. And I came to a point where I was standing in the hallway and it was, it's this hallway right there, standing in the hallway of my home. And I said to myself, I said to myself, I cannot keep going like this. I have to have some answers. I have to know if what I am doing is the right thing. I have to know if really, if God exists, if he loves me, I have to know if Jesus Christ is my savior. I have to know if the book of Mormon is true. And I had a whole bunch of other questions that I won't get into here, but, um, well, I can get, I can tell one. So for example, um, I had the question of if God is real and if if what we teach is that he was if he was at once like me and we believe that I can someday be like him how does that process occur if he was once like me he must have lived on an earth just like me here now And he must have sinned. And who was his savior? What happened to him? And I had the same question about our savior. What is the future for our Jesus Christ? What happens to him? Does he just go up to heaven and hang out there for eternity, having done a really, really great thing for us? Or does he go on to greater things? And I I didn't, there were so many other questions like that that I sought answers to. And that I seemingly didn't, I, there was no place I could go to get these answers. And so I thought, you know, in the hallway, before I give up on everything, before I just leave God entirely, I'm going to give it one last shot. And I went to the Lord in prayer, similar to Enos, and I said, this is it. Uh, I need to know for sure uh, what I need to do. I need to, I need to come to a testimony for myself. And the Lord said, all you need to do, all you need to do. And I hadn't read the Book of Mormon in really to learn and to understand and to know more in 18 years. And he said, all you need to do is open up the Book of Mormon. That's all you need to do. Seemingly as simple as looking at the serpent staff, That's all you need to do is open the Book of Mormon. And as crazy as it sounds, like I fought that. I fought that for months. I was like, I just told myself, opening that book is not going to do a single thing for me. Opening that book, and I wasn't reading it. I'd come home and watch television and play video games. And that was my life. And I just told myself, that's not going to do. I've read it before It's not going to do a single thing for me. And I fought that for months until one night, four years ago, I finally, I couldn't take it anymore. It was like, it was like this pressure on me of I've either got to leave entirely or I've got to know. And I came in and I pulled the book off of my bookshelf in the living room here. And it was actually, I still read out of it every day. It was this Spanish Book of Mormon right here. And I just opened it up. I just opened it up to first Nephi chapter one. And that's all I did. I opened it up and I sat and I looked at it and I read, I read one single word. I read the first word. You can see it there. It's Joe. It's I it's I in Spanish and it's it's bigger just like it is in english it's bigger than all the rest of the words and that was all it took for me that was everything that it took is opening up the book of mormon and reading that one word and at that moment i knew i knew it was true i knew the book of mormon was true and i had at that point i had god and i had the book of mormon and as I started reading the Book of Mormon more and more and more and just immersing myself in it, I started noticing things and I started seeing things that I had never seen before. Things talking about a baptism of fire, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, things that are not normally talked about. And I thought, what what is this baptism of fire? What is this? What am I supposed to do to receive this? And the gift of the Holy Ghost, I knew that I hadn't received that at age eight, sitting in the chair in the cultural hall. And even even conference talks, I I knew that, that, that I hadn't received the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's not when it happened is when you're sitting in the chair. I was sitting in the chair at age eight in the cultural hall. I knew that. And I did no one to turn to. I had no one to turn to with all these questions. And the only one I had to turn to was the Lord. And so I did that. I didn't know what I was doing. All I I was doing is going to the Lord and praying and saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing here. But now I know that you're real. And I know that you love me. And I know that the Book of Mormon is true. And I want to know what I need to do to, to receive the baptism of fire and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And once I started seeking that and started asking those questions, he started laying it out. He started giving me commandments that were specific to me. Now, not everybody is commanded to go to Jerusalem and get a book from a wicked man and then decapitate him. That was not in my mission. And But my mission, my commandments specific to me were to do other things. And as I've done those things over the past four years, the gospel of Jesus Christ has opened up to me in a way that I never, I never thought possible. I can't, I can't even believe that I am here compared to where I was four years ago and compared as, as almost an atheist and compared to where I am now seeking and, 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 wanting more and more revelation and the knowledge that I've gained by doing this over the past 4 years it 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 just blows my mind and to think that I'm just barely beginning and that there is so much more that the Lord has in store for me it and to see his the love he has for me personally in allowing me to come to him and as imperfect as I am I keep making mistakes and I keep being lazy and I keep having bad thoughts and I keep getting angry and doing things wrong. It doesn't matter. I always come to, I, I can come back to him. And just like that, in, in a half a second, he forgives me. And he says, okay, let's get back on the right path. I'm going to give you a commandment. Uh, Go and do that. Act on the revelation that I'm giving you. And it's okay. I forgive you. That's what repentance is. It's It's repenting and returning. It's coming back to the Lord. And keeping the commandments that He has for us personally. So that's that's my story, and that's where Enos I, I I identify so much with that phrase. And my soul hungered, and that is why each one of you are here tonight. Because at some point in time, your souls hungered. They hungered for more. Every the thing is, I know every one of you. I know every one of you have had experiences like that when exactly like Enos describes and my soul hungered Enos had a desire Leslie had a desire Jeff had a desire I had a desire every single one of you had this desire for more um Enos the very next thing that he says he has a desire he feels a need And I want to read this without this next phrase, and my soul hungered, then we're going to skip this next phrase, and I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for mine own soul. Now let's read it with that next phrase, and my soul hungered, and I kneeled, and I kneeled. That is the moment where Enos says, I want this, and I'm going to take action. And there's a reason that that phrase is there, and I kneeled. There's a reason that it doesn't just go into, and I cried unto him, like Nephi. It's because it was at that moment that Enos had made up his mind. That was Enos's moment where he opened the Book of Mormon for the first time in 18 years. And my soul hungered, and I kneeled down before my maker. The moment his knees hit the floor, that's when Heavenly Father knew he was serious. And I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for my own soul. And all the day long did I cry unto him, yea, and when the night came, I did still raise my voice high that it reached the heavens. And there came a voice unto me saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee, and thou shalt be blessed. Or in other words, like we read in Second Nephi 31, at that moment, that is when Enos received the baptism of fire and the gift of the Holy Ghost. We know that because his sins were forgiven. And I, Enos, knew that God could not lie, wherefore my guilt was swept away. And I said, Lord, how is it done? And he said unto me, because of thy faith in Christ, whom thou hast never before seen, and many years pass away before he shall manifest himself in the flesh. Wherefore, go to, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now it came to pass that when I had heard these words, I began to feel a desire for the welfare of my brethren the Nephites. Wherefore I, wherefore, I did pour out my whole soul unto God for them. So just exactly, exactly, the same playbook is followed. The same exact thing that Lehi went through is what Enos is going through. Lehi received a testimony of the things that he knew were true. And just like, and and he... He then had a desire to go and teach those things to, to the people. Enos went through the exact same thing. He received a testimony. He he knew that what the Lord, he couldn't deny what the Lord was telling him. And the next thing he desired was that the Lamanites, his brethren, could experience the exact same thing. I am I'm grateful that both Jeffrey and Lee Le, Jeffrey, Jeff and Leslie, we're, we're here sharing your experiences. I'm grateful for the doctrine of Christ in my life. I, I love it. I'm my life has changed so much in the past four years and specifically in the past eight months since I'm coming to understand what the new covenant is, what really is the new covenant of coming to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It is, it is laying everything on the altar for the Lord and like my cousin Jeff says, it's a bargain. All he requires is everything, and it's a bargain. I love the gospel, and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.